Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. Chapter number four this evening, I'm going to read a few verses of scripture. Amen. Tonight, as we look at the word of the Lord, Ezra chapter number four, and we're going to begin reading with verse number one. Actually, the Bible states these words. Now, when the adversaries of Judah and Benjamin heard that the children of the captivity builded the temple unto the Lord God of Israel, then they came to Zerubbabel, to the chief of the fathers and said unto them, let us build with you, for we seek your God as ye do. And we do sacrifice unto him since the days of Ezar Haddon, king of Ashur, which brought us up hither. But Zerubbabel and Jeshua and the rest of the chief of the fathers of Israel said unto them, Ye have nothing to do with us to build an house unto our God, but we ourselves together will build unto the Lord God of Israel. As King Cyrus, the king of Persia, hath commanded us, then the people, then the people, the land weakened the hands of the people of Judah and troubled them in building and hired counselors against them to frustrate their purpose all the days of Cyrus, king of Persia, even unto the reign of Darius, king of Persia. Amen. This is among the first grouping of people that have went back to Jerusalem to rebuild their blessed city, their town, their houses, the temple, the altar, all things that pertain to them as a people. And they are met with some opposition in this rebuilding work. As a matter of fact, the opposition that they are met with that I want to talk to you about tonight, I want to talk to you about Satan's strategy. Satan's strategy. There are at least four areas, at least from this story, if not more, of course, throughout Scripture. But we see this pattern time and time again. And number one is this. And this is my sermon in a nutshell, so we can go home as soon as I pray. No. But this is my sermon in a nutshell. Satan's strategy is this. Number one, he tries to get the people to compromise. Number two, if that don't work, he'll try to discourage you. Number three, if that doesn't work, he'll try to accuse you. And number four, ultimately, he wants to force stop you. So I want to talk to you tonight about Satan's strategy here from these verses of Scripture. Father, I come to you this evening. I pray, oh, Lord Jesus, that you would, Lord, look down upon us, Lord, in our efforts, God, in this place tonight. I pray, oh, Lord, that there could be something said, Lord, from your word that would help somebody, Lord, in their walk with God. I pray, Lord, that you would verify your word. Lord, that Scripture, Lord, that your word would be verified. I pray, God, that you would verify your word. God, mark every bit of error, Lord, from my my mind and my heart. Help me to lean in, God, to what you're desiring and what you want, Lord Jesus, in this place. Give me the lips, Lord Jesus, of a trumpet. God, that it would sound, Lord Jesus, clearly this evening and bless your people, God, for their faithfulness to the house of the Lord and will not fail to thank you for it. In the lovely name of Jesus Christ that I pray, amen and amen. Everybody say amen. 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 You may be seated tonight in Jesus' name. Satan's, Satan's strategy. What we are looking at here this evening in Ezra are the first returnees, as it were, to the city of Jerusalem. 
the city that they were very familiar with, though it may have been 70 years since their foot has touched that same soil that it touched when they left there 70 years earlier. Whenever they left, the condition uh, was just bleak. The condition was broken down walls. The temple was in dilapidation. It had been destroyed, barely uh, barely leaving one stone placed upon another. All things that pertain to the temple had been taken from the temple. It's been dispersed into foreign lands like as Babylon. All of the gold and the silver, everything that was costly and precious had been removed from there. And as they left that city 70 years earlier, all they could see in their rear view was nothing but uh, a testimony of what the enemy had done, what the enemy had come in and just totally left it in disrepair. The place that they loved, that they were familiar with, their house, of worship where they would go and sacrifice to God and, and give their adoration and, 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 and just extol His holy name. And upon returning there, no doubt, it is just a, a small picture of what they had left. It, 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 nothing has really changed. Nothing has really altered except now the smoke has settled and the smoldering maybe perhaps is, is no longer there, but it's still in disarray and they know that they have a responsibility. It's the reason and the purpose that they have returned back home. It's the reason, the purpose that they've come back to Jerusalem. It's the, the call was made those that would have heart or volunteer to go and rebuild these things that they would be the ones to return. They would be the ones that would put their hand to the work to somehow rebuild, if you will, what it was in its glory day. Amen. They wanted to take the, the piles of rubbish and create something out of that. They wanted to take the broken down things and repair them and rebuild what God had had there formerly. And this is the story of Ezra. This is the story of Esther. This is the story of Nehemiah. Three different sweeps of people that returned back from bondage, back from captivity to their homeland to restructure it and reaffirm it and remake it what it once was. Many times, though, as, as preachers and as, as laity today, there's many times that we've given concentration to the book of Nehemiah. I've taught about it, we've preached about it, we all times focus on the opposition that Nehemiah and his clan were met with whenever they endeavored to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem and set the gates back up in the city. We have oft times heard through preaching the focus being on the Sanballats and the Tobias that came in Nehemiah's day and generation that were trying to get him come down from the wall that he was working on. Tried to convince him to come down and have a meeting with them and these same people being the ones that made fun of Nehemiah's efforts and those who had strengthened their hands for the work. We have oft times looked at the story of Nehemiah and we talked about when they had the wall halfway up and halfway built that the burdensome work of just removing the rubble within itself disposed the people to discouragement disposed the people to heartache feeling overwhelmed as though they would never Never get the work done that they would never be able to make it like it once was but the enemies of this project 
Amen. In the book of Ezra and Nehemiah, for that matter, the enemies, the adversaries were very methodical in their attempts to overthrow what God was doing, to overthrow what God was doing through Nehemiah and what he was doing firstly through Zerubbabel. But I want you to know tonight, Nehemiah's was was not an isolated case. We see a very similar circumstance happening in the first group of returnees in the book of Ezra. The tactics that they had and the strategies that the adversaries had were common practices of the enemy. He had a plan. The adversaries had a plan for intercepting God's purpose in the lives of the people. The adversaries' ears were peaked the moment that they heard that the people were coming back after 70 years to rebuild what they once had to restructure what they once had, to go back to the glory day of what they once had. Does not even the New Testament Scripture tell you and I concerning our personal adversary tonight that the thief cometh not but to steal and to kill and to destroy. The adversary is driven tonight. I want you to understand this as the church. The adversary is driven by a goal. He's not left without a motive even in our society and even within our world today. And so it would behoove us as members of the church, it would behoove us as the body of Christ that we need to acquaint ourselves with his way of thinking. We need to acquaint ourselves with these different stages and the different stages of his tactics that he'll oftentimes use against the children of the Lord Jesus Christ. Can someone say amen? Whether it be Ezra or whether it be Nehemiah, amen, or some other rebuilding endeavor, mark it well. The enemy is against anything that has to do with rebuilding. I understand that he's against progress, but he's also against any rebuilding. He's against anybody going back to the past and restructuring something they have accomplished before. He's against rebuilding. Israel is proof of this. Ezra, the book of Ezra is proof that the adversary not only opposes the rebuilding of walls and gates like in Nehemiah, but he also comes and opposes the rebuilding of our temples and our places of worship and our places of sacrifice. He rears his head whenever we recreate the altars that we used to have. He rears his head whenever we start to put blood sacrifice upon places that used to have blood upon it. He doesn't want the temple to be rebuilt. He doesn't want the altar and the labor. He doesn't want all the instrumentation that composes the house of God to be rebuilt in our lives. He's going to raise his head, so to speak, and he's going to come against those type of things. Can someone say amen? The Bible tells us in verse number 1 that these people that come against Judah and these people that come against Benjamin, it correctly and clearly labels them that these are adversaries that have come against Judah and against Benjamin. And the voice of the adversary for those that were rebuilding was this, and hear it well. Their plea to those that were rebuilding was let us, this is the adversary now, let us build with you, for we seek your God. As ye do. And we do sacrifice unto him. The adversary is saying, we want to help you build. Because we seek your God like you do. And we want to sacrifice unto him. 
Perhaps that saying was somewhat, and I use the word somewhat very loosely. Perhaps that saying was somewhat true. Perhaps they had sacrifice to God. And they did, in reality, had sacrifice to God. But that's not the question. The question is, have they only sacrificed to God? Had they only sacrificed to God? Because had they not just only sacrificed to God, then they certainly do not or do not or will not seek after God as these returned captives are going to seek after God. Amen. These people claim that they have sacrificed to God since they were brought there by Ezar Haddon, king of Assyria, some 130 years earlier. They said, we've sacrificed to God. We've worshipped God. But the Bible says... In 2 Kings 17, whenever these people moved into this land, when they moved into the area of Samaria, the Bible says there were brought people from Babylon to Samaria. There were people brought from Ava to Samaria, from Hamath to Samaria. In other words, uh, Samaria then wasn't what it used to be. It was a mixed multitude of people. And even more so than being a mixed multitude of people, these people had retained their own way of worship from from whence ever they came, all the while also incorporating the worship of God. See what happened. There came a time that Samaria was stripped of all the people of God. And they brought people from various other areas of foreign places and set them up in Samaria. And they continued to worship their false gods while also incorporating the true God. And the Bible says it was in that hour that there were lions in the land. And the lions began to devour some of these people. And they thought, we're being devoured because we don't really know how to worship the true God. Perhaps he's the God of the lines. You know how people thought there's a God of the water, a God of the fire, a God of fertility. And so they had a true priest of the ways of the Lord sent back to Samaria teaching those people how to worship the Lord. And so they begin to incorporate worship for God right along in all of their other spectrum of worship that they had for their false gods. Can I tell you tonight that the voice and the strategy of the enemy is the same in every generation and that is this trying to blur the line in every generation by this statement. There isn't much difference between us and you that's the strategy of Satan of every generation there's not much difference between you and me we both believe in God We both believe in God and they'll start to say I believe a lot like you do or, or we believe a whole lot like the same. Amen. But there's not a, there's not enough. It's not enough for us today that, that there's enough common ground that we can make alliance with those people. There's not enough common ground. We cannot compromise, if you will, Jesus name baptism. We cannot compromise the infilling of the Holy Ghost evidenced by speaking in other tongues. We can't make alliance. We can't have fellowship. Someone hear me today. Just because they're saying, help us build your work. We seek God like you seek God. And they may have sought God on one area, but they did not seek God alone. The Bible says in 2 Kings 17, all these different nations that converged at Samaria, howbeit every nation made gods of their own. In other words, Babylon still served the gods of Babylon. 
Ava still served the gods of Ava. Hamath still served the gods of, uh, of Hamath. And yet they also incorporated in their worship, trying to worship the Lord and serve the Lord. But can I tell you tonight, and I said it Wednesday night, what good is fear or reverence of the Lord if you don't submit yourself to him and him alone? The first ploy of the adversary of any generation is trying to get God's people to compromise. We're just the same as you are. We worship God with the same ardent affection that you do. But I'm here to tell you, we lack something or they lack something rather. Because I am of the persuasion like Nehemiah when he said, Thou, even thou art Lord alone. Thou hast made the heaven, the heaven of heavens with all their hosts, the earth and all things that are therein, the seas and all that is therein, thou preserveth them all, the host of heaven worship you, I'm not putting you on a shelf with a bunch of other things you are God and you are God alone that's not to be trifled with that's not to be compromised he spread it all out all by himself he's the God of heaven and earth of all the host. You can't serve a moon God and serve my God because my God already took care of the moon aspect. You can't serve a God of fire because my God's already got that one covered. You can't serve a God of water because he's already got that. You can't have a God of the mountain, a different God for the valley because my God is the God of the mountain and the valley. You understand? He's God alone. He's God all by himself. He knows not another God. And so we don't believe the same. We are not of the same persuasion. You're not seeking my God the way I seek my God. David said, for thou art great and does wonderful things. Thou art God alone. These folks that were coming to these returnees, they were quite frankly just looking for a compromise. They were looking for what they have lived. They were looking for a compromise because they lived a compromise. As a matter of fact, it is these of Babylon and Ab and Hamath and all these different cities that converged there, that were brought there. It is these people who intermarried with some of the Jews and came to be known, as we even know in the New Testament scripture, of the Samaritan people that were half Jew and half Gentile. They lived a life of compromise. Sure, they sought God along with many others. But they erred when they thought they sought God as these returning captives sought God. Because seeking God is more than a profession of faith. That somebody has. None seek him like his true church really seeks him. Amen. Someone say amen. amen. And so when we read the focus of Ezra chapter 3, the focus of Ezra chapter 3 was, was worship being restored, burnt offerings being restored, 
the Feast of Tabernacles, the different festivals being restored. All the offerings of the new moons were instituted again. The Bible says, uh, like the law of Moses had prescribed. In other words, exactly like the law of Moses has said, that's the way that they were going to carry it out. Just like it had been, so it would be. They were right. They were pure. They were correct. Amen. There was no vacillating from its place of origin. Amen. They, they didn't need, amen, to pollute that pure right way that Moses had prescribed with any compromise from any, and please pardon me, from any wannabe follower of God that has their shelf list of God's. So, let us build with you. Because we're of the same mind. Let us build with you. We seek your God like you seek your God. Let's do this thing together. But the response of the returnees was simply this. Sorry. We got it. You know what they're saying? We can't compromise. Because you are not seeking like we're seeking. You don't have the same mind like we have the mind of God. So we, 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 we appreciate your, your offer so to speak. Sorry, we can't take upon the offer. And you know what the strategy of the enemy is then for the church of today? If I can't get them to compromise, I'll go to step two. If I can't get them to dilute or water down or shuffle, blend, if you will, then I'll go to step two. And when compromise didn't work, their enemy tried, the Bible says, to weaken the people, if you will, or discourage the people primarily by two ways, attempting to trouble them <laughs> or to frustrate them in their building. He's going to trouble them, or if I could say it like this, Frustrate them. Frustrate them. Away or about their purpose. <laughs> they're not going to give in to compromise. Then I'll try to discourage them about what they're trying to do. Isn't it amazing? I think here, now this, you know it's the adversary when this happens. Because just a moment ago, these same people are saying, let us help you build because we have the same mind. And now the very ones that said, let us help you build because we have the same mind. When you didn't take their compromise, now they're trying to stand in the way, frustrate, and discourage you from doing what they said they wanted to help you do. As long as you're willing to compromise, we're willing to work with you. But if you're not, then we're going to try to frustrate your purpose. It's all good and fun and games as long as we get in the same saddle. But if you tell me to ride a different horse, I'm going to get in front of you. I'm going to try to weaken your hands. I'm going to try to trouble you. I'm going to try to frustrate you. Amen. Let me tell you, you can wait and see how much somebody is on your side. Amen. Or God's side whenever you don't succumb to their desires and wishes that are in alignment with God. And those that say we will support you will turn their back on you when you fail to compromise. So what's the rubber that meets the road? They don't want to support you. They want you to stoop. Uh-huh. They want you. Listen, folks. Daniel and the three Hebrew boys was the best thing since sliced bread. Until they didn't bow. 
And when the compromise didn't come, huh? All the praise went to hate. They want to dilute your stance. They they want you to support their ways. Uh huh. And when you don't, your adversary will turn on you, looking at ways to try to weaken your hands. He will come attempting to discourage you in your purpose. Nehemiah faced it. Amen. Those in the book of Ezra faced it. Amen. If they don't join us in Nehemiah's book, he said, they said, if they don't join us, then we will make them fear us. And so the enemy is trying to convince them. You know what? This is what the enemy was doing in Nehemiah. He was trying to convince them. You know what? Your hands are going to be weakened from the work. I know you got a purpose of building the walls and the gates, but we don't think you have enough strength to finish what you started. Starting to play with the mind. Trying to tell the people, we know that you think you're doing a great work, but we don't believe you got the strength to finish what you started. Honey, when compromise doesn't work toward the children of God, the adversary's going to show up. I know you got dreams and aspirations and all these other things, but listen here, I really don't think you can finish what you started. I know you started well, but I don't think you can end well. What's he trying to do? Discourage you. Discourage you. Trouble you. Mess with your mind. Frustrate your purpose. Frustrate your efforts. Yes, Because if I can make you believe that you won't be able to do it, perhaps you'll stop trying. <laughs> oh, yes. He understands the control of what a lot of what happens with the hands starts right here in the head. Weak hands stem from a weak mind. If I can get them to believe differently, maybe they won't try to carry things out with their hands. It's no different than today. Satan's strategy has been, if he can't compromise, to try to discourage, to try to weaken. That's the reason why Isaiah, even in his day, spoke very boldly in Isaiah 35 and verse 3. He said, strengthen ye the weak hands and confirm the feeble knees. Say to them that are of a fearful heart, be strong, fear not. Behold, your God will come with vengeance, even God with a recompense. He will come and save you. You know what Isaiah is saying? Don't listen to the voices that are saying you're not going to make it. Don't listen to the mind battle that says you can't carry through. God's going to come through right when he needs to come through. He's going to help you finish this thing. He's going to bring this thing to a culmination. He's going to bring this thing to an end. But you need not to give play to the voices of discouragement that would say otherwise. We're in this thing for the long haul. Amen. The Bible prophesies in the book of Daniel that there will come a system in the last days that will arise, that will speak great words against the Most High, the Bible says, and that it would attempt to wear out. Everybody say wear out. Wear out the saints of the Most High. I'm telling you today that that spirit is already within our age of trying to wear out the saints of the Most High through their minds, through their thoughts. He's discouraging people by trouble. He's discouraging people by frustrating them and keeping them from their purpose. Elijah in the book of Kings Elijah he's victorious 
on Mount Carmel against the prophets of the grove and the prophets of Baal. And what is he doing in reality on Mount Carmel? He's addressing compromise. How long halt ye between two opinions? If Baal be God, serve him. But if the Lord be God, he's addressing compromise on top of Mount Carmel. And he's victorious with the slaughter of the prophets of the grove, 400 and the 450 prophets of Baal. But after he addresses the compromise on the top of Mount Carmel, what do we see happening to Elijah? He's plummeting to the depths of discouragement. He's somewhere in a cave because the voice of Jezebel said to him, if you, you're basically going to be dead like one of my prophets tomorrow come this time. What is that? He didn't give in to compromise. So Satan's strategy says, let's discourage him. Great victory. But discouragement was right around the corner because that's the strategy of our adversary. Mm. And so here's Elijah. He's in the cave. He is secluded. He is by himself. (laughs) He was fighting voices of discouragement in his mind that were trying to trouble him trying to frustrate his purpose. He's fighting the feelings of being the only one that's trying to do anything for God. He's fighting the feelings of being the only one that's trying to make any strides for God. But all the while, as he is fighting those feelings for however long he was in that cave, the Bible lets us know that God already had a purpose for him. But while he's fighting the thoughts and the feelings, the purpose has gone unattended to because the adversary is troubling and frustrating his purpose. God had a purpose for him. You know what his purpose was? He found out later. He says, I want you to go and I want you to anoint Elisha in your room as prophet. I want you to anoint two other kings that's going to be victorious. Amen. In this journey for the kingdom of God. But if you stay in that spot and you allow discouragement to set in, you'll stay in this cave and you'll stay on this mountain and that won't be achieved. And that's not my will. That's just the strategy of the adversary. Again. Notice, even in the book of Ezra, the Bible says these people come weakening their hands. Trouble, frustration. But notice what the scripture says. It says... But this troubling, this frustrating took place all the days of Cyrus. Verse number five. It took place all the days of Cyrus, even until the days of Darius. That's a long time. That's not just a drive-through frustration. (laughs) That's not drive-through trouble. No, it stayed around for a little while. He says, you know what? Adversary, they won't compromise. I'll try to weaken them with a long trial. I'll try to discourage them with allowing trouble after trouble when one leaves, another one comes. 
Mm-hmm. I'll try to do this to, to keep their hands from doing meaningful work. If they won't compromise, then I'm going to make life uncomfortable for them for a while. And I'm going to try to weaken them. You know, anybody can last a week or two weeks, but when months turn to years, I can't discourage you over a moment. Maybe I can discourage you over a series of moments. <laughs> so I'm going to try to weaken you. It was even Job. Job said, it's the repetitious of the water that's hitting against the stone that wears the stone away. It's not just one instance, but the repetition of it that begins to wear. And so the enemy is saying, if I can just be the water against the stone, I might take a millimeter off this year, but next year it's going to be two millimeters going to weaken them. I'm going to discourage them. I got to hurry up, don't I? I got to hurry up. Amen. Should have never told you how many strategies I had to begin with. So if he can't get you to compromise and he can't get you with discouragement, third move is just right out accuse you. Right out accuse you. Bible speaks in verse number 6 of our Ezra 4 chapter that there was an accusation then written against the inhabitants. And the writer of Ezra goes off to another time frame. This was during the years of Ahasuerus, but he goes to another time frame of the years of, of our tax disease, and he speaks about another occurrence where this had happened, that there was an accusation written against the inhabitants what he's trying to do is stockpile, if you will, the information of this is how the strategy of the enemy works to try to accuse you. It speaks of how Jerusalem and its people, a letter was written concerning them and about them. And they were painted in such a way as they were painted as being a rebellious people. They were painted as being isolated from the powers of the king because, because they were not compromisers. Uh-huh. That the adversary was trying to color them, amen, uh, them not compromising as that's a negative light that should be shined upon them because they're not joining in with us. Uh-huh. Anybody that doesn't, you know, join in with what everybody else is doing, they're the oddball. They're, they're the oddball, they're the rebellious ones. Trying to, to portray them not as this being a positive trait, but rather as a negative trait, as a point uh, 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 of accusation, amen, accusing them. And they say unto the king, writing their letter about the inhabitants now of Jerusalem, said they are going to rebel against you, king. This is the type of people they are. They rebel. But you must understand, Jerusalem and the people of Jerusalem never so much so rebelled against the king as they did. They rebelled against the propaganda of the king because it did not align with their king. All right. And so they're going to rebel against you. They're going to be hurtful towards you, king. They're going to build their walls and they're going to put up their gates. And, and as a matter of fact, when they do that, you're going to miss out on some of their tribute money. You're going to miss out on some revenue. All this is here in Ezra. You're going to miss out on some of their revenue. Amen. Because listen, we're, 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 we're uh, and this is good for the children of God. This is good for the people of Jerusalem. They were obligated, yes. They were obligated to pay their taxes. You need to pay your 
divorce too. They were obligated to pay their taxes. That's right. And they were obligated to pay for other lawful fares that they had to pay for. But as a child of God, there's some revenue that the world will not get because we're investing in kingdom matters. So see, they're painting everything in a certain picture. They're going to hurt your revenue. Why? Because they're going to be invested in their temple. They're, they're going to be purchasing sacrifices. Amen. Uh, they're going to be purchasing animals for sacrifice. So you're not going to get money from them like you would from everybody else because they have a mind frame toward the kingdom of God. They're painting them in this horrid, black, negative picture, being rebellious. They're not going to get the, not going to get the same revenue from these people as you would from other people. See, he's trying to be accusatory toward the people of God. And what he's really trying to use is their non-conforming way and attitude against them. Because if I can put enough pressure on you because you're not compromising... And I can accuse you, maybe my accusation will be enough to tilt the scale to get you give. But the ultimate go, the ultimate go of Satan, compromise, discouragement, accusation, and just a forced stop all together. He wants to accuse us in the stopping without any further advancement. The Bible says in verse 24 of Ezra, Ezra 4 that the work on the house ceased in Jerusalem. It stopped in Jerusalem. Here's the thing. I'll be wrapping up here within the next 10 minutes. When you read the scripture. It reads as though the accusation came from those that were beyond or round about the river when you read this. It's those that were beyond or round about the river that brought these types of accusations and this type of trouble and this type of frustration. He says, I know that you checked the records about us being a rebellious people. That's scripture. They told him to go check the records. I know you checked the records about there being a problem with the revenue from years ago. But you need to go check the records again. You're accusing us over these things. You need to check the records about what King Cyrus had to say. Because if you'll check the records, you'll find out that what we are doing is in alignment with what King Cyrus said we ought to do. And they went and checked their records. And the Bible says that King Cyrus told those that would return, return and build the city of Jerusalem and the temple. As a matter of fact, he said this, and I like the wording of this in the King James. He said, let the foundations be strongly laid. That's what Cyrus said. He said, let the foundations of Jerusalem and the temple, let them be strongly laid. Amen. And so the people from beyond the river has brought these accusations. But as you continue to read, and I'm trying to hasten, but as you continue to read in Ezra, you will come to find out that the Bible states these words concerning those that are beyond the river. It says those that are beyond the river. This is now the plea of the king once he's heard that Cyrus said they should be doing this. He said those that are beyond the river. He says you need to keep as far as you can do, can keep from Jerusalem. And he says, you need to leave the work that those people are trying to do. You need to leave it alone. 
The very ones that accused him, now they're hearing, you need to leave them alone. The very ones that troubled and frustrated him, now they're saying, you need to leave those people alone and let them do the work. But it gets better than that, folks. The Bible also tells us in the chapters that you read, it says this, that listen, if you need anything, if you need sacrifices, if you need some extra money for the work of putting the temple back together and the altar back together and the gates and all that, he says, I tell you what I'm going to do. He said the tax that I get from those that are beyond the river. He says the taxes that I get from those beyond the river, he says I'll use that tax money to fund your endeavors. What's that mean? The ones that were accusing, the ones that said they're going to cheat on their taxes, you're not going to get the revenue you once had. Now their taxes are going to fund God's plan. It goes a step further before Ezra closes. The king speaks to Ezra, even himself, when Ezra comes. And he says, Ezra, whatever you need for the house of God, whatever you need for the house of God, the king's not saying that now I'll use their taxes. But he says, whatever money they have in their own treasuries, we'll pull it out of their treasuries and he'll fund the house of God. Whatever you... Honey, what are you saying tonight? I'm saying you don't need to be worried. You don't need to be, if you will, pushed over by the strategies of the enemy. His, 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 trying to get you to compromise, discourage you. Uh, trying, if you will, amen, to lie and accuse you. Trying to get you to stop. God has a way of turning this thing on a hinge. God has a way of turning this thing on a dime. And the very ones that are against you, he can cause them to have to foot the bill for the will and the purpose of God in your I'm hastening. It doesn't stop there. As the old preachers, you say, it gets gooder and gooder. The Bible says, Ezra, this is the command of the Lord. Ezra, I want you to set up judges. It's in your Bible. In the book of Ezra. I want you to set up judges to judge the people beyond the river. You get what I'm talking about? They've been sitting there accusing the people of God. And now the people of God are going to be put as judges over them and have the say-so in their life. You know what I'm saying? Nanny, nanny, boo-boo, devil. Go on and do your accusing that you want to do right now. Because in just a little while, God's going to make me judge of your affairs. Even in the New Testament, the Bible says that the disciples are going to set up on 12 thrones and they're going to be judges, if you will, of the earth. Go on and make your accusations. Go on and try to pull me betwixt and between and discourage me. In the end, we have to say in the end, we're going to be judges over your matters. Yes. Hallelujah. And stand with me tonight. We're going to be judges. It's a pattern that's found over and over again many times in Scripture. Compromise, discouragement, accusations, accusing, and then trying to get it stopped altogether. The Bible speaks of even the enemy being the accuser of the brethren that accuses them day and night. But Revelation says that we overcome him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony, the one that used to kill. All it is is a strategy. It's just a means. It's just an approach. It's just a plan. He has motives, yes. 
But we're not ignorant of the devices of the adversary. And we will be victorious. He'll foot the bill and we'll judge him for his own deeds. Amen. By and by. We'll understand it all better. Just by and by. So what are you saying tonight, Brother McGee? I'm saying hold on through the voices of compromise. Hold on through the spirits and the voices of discouragement. Hold on when the accusing is coming from the left and from the right. Hold on whenever they are coming trying to force you to stop. Because it's not over till God says it's over. It's not over. What do you say? I'm saying go on and rebuild your altar. Go on and rebuild your labor. Go on and rebuild your sacrifice. Go on and rebuild your dedication and your efforts concerning the things of the kingdom. Yeah, you got the attention of hell, but you also got the attention of heaven. And it's, oh yeah, he's going to sew this thing up going to show this thing up if we bow our heads all across this place tonight the ultimate goal of the adversary is to force stop you but folks we're not going to give in to that we're not going to give in to that we're not going to give in to the pressure we're not going to give in to compromise there's going to come greater greater voices in this last day that's going to try to get the church to compromise and be more beguiling Lord in their ways of trying to get us to compromise but we got to know who we are and we got to know who he is and we got to be settled and steadfast on those things unmovable always abounding in the work of the Lord hallelujah it's just the strategy of the enemy I'm aware of it I'm taking recognition of it and I'm poisoning myself I am poisoning I am strategizing myself to respond in a way that I can be victorious God I pray Lord help your church in this hour help your church in this generation we will not bow we will not lean we will not dilute we will not forfeit we will fight and we will rebuild can you raise your hands right now to the Lord can you raise your hands right now to the Lord and just testify to him God I'm going to rebuild some things in my life I'm going to rebuild some things in my Christian experience I'm going to rebuild some things in my relationship I know God it will get Lord it will get the attention of hell but God I have a decree Lord that if I would do this you'll strengthen my weak hands you'll strengthen my weak knees you'll be God alone and you'll come through on my favor and my behalf in this endeavor. Somebody rebuild tonight. Somebody rebuild. Somebody rebuild. Oh, let's raise our voices as we begin to pray right now. In the closure of this service, just, just start to pray. God, I don't want to be caught by the tactic of compromise. God, I don't want to be caught by the tactic of discouragement. When trials go long and it frustrates, tries to frustrate my purpose and it troubles me. Help me, God, to press on. Help me, God, to go forward. Help me, God, I pray when the accusations come. And, and Lord, they are feeling, Lord, my heart and my mind. They are attacks, Lord, as fiery arrows. 
Help me, God, to hold the shield of faith. God, with all that I might be able to quench all those starry darts, God, that would come toward me. I am a soldier of the Lord Jesus Christ. I don't want to be entangled again in the matters of this life. I'm rebuilding. I'm rebuilding. It's a good work. It's a great work. It's an honorable work to the Lord. We are the church. We are the church. We are your people. Let us, Lord Jesus, I pray, God, to do the work of him that sent us. God, to fulfill the purpose, God, that you have, Lord Jesus, orientated us for. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. We just lift our voices one more time. I'll pray here this evening over each and every one of us. Father, I come to you right now. God, I pray, oh Lord, I want to surrender my all unto you. I want to surrender my mind and my heart and my soul, Lord. I want to be dedicated, Lord, to you and to you alone. God, I pray, oh Lord, today, help me, God, not to give in to the pressure of my society. Let me not give in, Lord, as a church, God, to the pressure of our world. Help us, oh God, to be victorious. God, you've empowered us with a gift, Lord, that will take us home. God, if we'll submit and surrender our lives into it. God, it's not to say that we'll be without battle, we'll be without frustration, but God, that we can endure to the end, and he that endured to the end, the same shall be saved. I pray, oh Lord, be with your people this week. Strengthen them in their emotions. Strengthen them, God, in their physical bodies, and their spiritual lives. I pray, oh Lord, let your hand of protection be upon them. Help them, God, have a good week. I pray, rebuke the devourer, God, that would come. Lord, lurking around their homes and their families God be a fence Lord Jesus unto them God and will not fail to thank you and praise you Lord for your protective hand God in these matters in the lovely name of Jesus Christ that I pray hallelujah and the church say amen hallelujah everybody everybody come back Wednesday and bring a family member with you amen let's pray that everybody be healed of all their sickness thank you for listening If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you, and have a blessed day.